You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, got off full load or almost a full load of uh, opening day action to go over. We did have a couple of postponements. Uh, one of those postponed games, the uh, Tigers and Pirates, that's actually going on right now in chilly Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Ivan Nova has uh, done his Houdini act, <laughs> loading up the bases a couple of times, but so, so far, uh, Pirates ahead, 4-2. to two. Uh, but uh, the focus here will be mostly on yesterday's action, but we'll take a look ahead to the weather forecast for uh, the remainder of the games on the uh, slate for today. And uh, also take a look at some of the lineups that are coming in already. Uh, a few interesting changes uh, in the lineups from game one to game two. I will go over that, but big, big stuff on uh, opening day. We had some uh, closer drama. I uh, talked a bit on yesterday's show about Greg Holland. He's the Cardinals' closer now after uh, being signed to a one-year $14 million deal. I talked about the situation in Texas where Keone Kela is going to get the bulk of the save opportunities after uh, a, a lot of uncertainty throughout spring training. And now we've got uh, some more developments. We've uh, got some news out of the Giants' bullpen. We had some uh, bullpen blow-ups on opening day. But for the most part... Matt Davidson's Tuffy Rhodes Act aside, uh, for the most part, opening day was really about the pitching. Of course, you got most teams' aces going. Uh, so pretty much all the aces performed as you would expect. Uh, very, very dominant performances. And even a few uh, pitchers that are maybe a little bit shy of, of what you might call ace quality, turning in some good starts and uh, a handful of clunkers, which I'll also talk about. So uh, lots of stuff to get to there. And even though yesterday was just opening day and I'm still sort of adjusting to week one here, got a week two preview for you later on in the show uh, because weekend's right around the corner. Maybe you've already started your weekend and uh, you've got to set lineups again. Anyway, well, if you're in a league that's playing the short week one and the regular week two. So this is geared for you. The short week one player. Uh, I've got a week two preview for you. So all of that uh, to come. But let's uh, start with uh, some of the closer news. Uh, Bruce Bochy named Hunter Strickland the closer, the primary closer for the Giants. Although it was a little bit qualified, he said, for now. Now, that could be interpreted a couple of ways. One, that uh, Strickland will close for the Giants until Mark Melanson comes back. I'll talk about Melanson's situation in a moment, but not clear when Melanson uh, might be able to return, so you could interpret it that way. Or maybe that it's kind of a probationary period for Hunter Strickland. I'm not really sure which one, uh, but there are certainly other options there. Uh, Tony Watson was mentioned uh, as, as an option, and Sam Dyson. I actually figured Dyson would get the first crack at it, but Strickland uh, apparently impressed Bochi enough with a really good spring that uh, he is going to get the first crack of crack at it. And uh, in fact, pitched uh, for the giants uh, uh, in yesterday's game against the Dodgers and, and sealed that one. So uh, 
a good start to the year for Hunter Strickland. As for Mark Melanson, turns out that he was uh, not really healthy all spring long. Uh, pitching in pain at the beginning of spring training and then just got worse. So according to a report from uh, Alex Pavlovich from uh, NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, Melanson had an MRI done, and it showed information in his flexor, and he's going to see a specialist uh, in Los Angeles while the Giants are there for their series against the Dodgers. So uh, no no timetable for Melanson, but basically this is just the aftermath of the problems that he had last year, uh, and it's, it's just never really gotten better. In fact, now in, in recent weeks, it sounds like uh, it's gotten much worse. So we certainly can't count on Mark Melanson to be back anytime soon. Doesn't really sound good. Uh, and in the meantime, Hunter Strickland is uh, definitely somebody to look out for on waivers. Now, what I, I would, was making my original case saying go get Dyson instead of Strickland. I mean, Dyson at times last year was just horrible. But when he wasn't being horrible, then he was really good. So he showed the ability to bounce back. Uh, and, and be really as good as ever. But you certainly had to be worried about the inconsistency with Dyson. But Strickland just didn't have a great season last year. Um, you know, didn't really do a, a great job of getting chases on bad pitches, and, and he wasn't the control artist last year that he had been in previous years. So uh, Strickland's not, not a, like a, a big-time strikeout pitcher, sort of an ordinary pitcher uh, as far as closers go in that regard. But uh, again, he had a very good spring, uh, tossed seven plus scoreless innings, only gave up one hit and a couple of walks. Uh, so the control is key for Strickland. So I think he's worth a flyer. Um, he, I'm not totally convinced that he's going to hold off uh, Dyson uh, until whenever Melanson comes back. But saves are saves. And so far, so good for Hunter Strickland. So uh, he is, you know, somebody to, to pursue if you do need some saves. Uh, like I said, there were some other goings on in terms of bullpens. Uh, Brad Brock blew a save. Corey Knievel blew a save. Uh, Fernando Rodney, you had the, the bad part of the Fernando Rodney experience on, on Thursday. Hector Neris blew up, uh, took a loss for the Phillies. I'll get to those in more detail uh, because uh, each of those situations – Although the Milwaukee situation is so interesting. I think it's just an off day for, for Corey Knievel, but those other situations are pretty interesting. So I will break those down uh, a little bit later on in the show. But let me get to some of the other news and then to some of the standout performances. Uh, so as far as news goes, injuries, transactions, and such, uh, Aaron Hicks was placed on the 10-day DL by the Yankees uh, earlier uh, on Friday with a right intercostal muscle strain. And they have called up Billy McKinney, who is already in the Yankees lineup. He is going to be their left fielder today. And uh, he's going to bat seventh against Aaron Sanchez in the Blue Jays. So Billy McKinney up, Aaron Hicks to the 10-day DL. According to the LA Times, Justin Turner is getting closer to swinging a bat and could still possibly return sometime in May. And also from that same report in the LA Times, Andrew Tolls could be recalled soon. So if you're like me and you picked up Tolls uh, in, a, in a few leagues and then were disappointed that he wasn't on the opening day roster, don't sweat it. He could be back very soon. That might not bode well for Jack Peterson, but uh, we will keep an eye on that situation. 
Uh, Josh Donaldson has a dead arm, so he is not going to play third base for a while. Uh, according to manager John Gibbons, he told the Sportsnet that he doesn't think it's a big deal. But all that said, for the meantime, apparently he, he can't really play third base. He did go uh, 0 for 3 with a walk in the opener against the Yankees. And in the lineup uh, for the Blue Jays today against the Yankees, uh, with Donaldson not being uh, at third base, you've got um, Jan Harris-Solarte in the lineup batting fifth. And taking over at the hot corner, Donaldson batting second, and as I mentioned before, DHing. So this is not good news at all if you're a Kendris Morales owner because it seems like Morales is not really going to have anywhere to play um, for for some time. I mean, I don't know how long Donaldson's going to need to uh, undeaden his arm, but until uh, he's ready to play third again, I, I can't see uh, can't see Morales playing very much. Uh, so. Uh, I've got uh, all kinds of standout performances to get to. Matt Davidson with the big uh, game. The White Sox, just in general. Tim Anderson leaving the yard a couple of times. Get to all that and much, much more. But first, uh, just to remind you that Fantasy Factor is the perfect daily fantasy site for the casual recreational player. They've got flatter prize pools, smaller fields, and single entry contests only. Uh, Fantasy Factor always has fun contests going on. Uh, They've uh, had a, a March Madness bracket and a Sweet 16 bracket. And uh, for this year, Fancy Factor is running a $100,000 home run derby. So if that's your thing, uh, and again, they've got free entry uh, So uh, for some of their contests. So that's your thing. Go sign up and enter at www.fantasyfactor.com. So White Sox had a fun opening day. <laughs> they scored, uh, put up a big, uh, I think it was 14-7. to 7. I need to, to make sure I got the numbers right there. A lot of scoring on both sides with the White Sox and the Royals. And uh, the, the big beneficiaries, yes, that was 14-7. to 7, uh, One touchdown win over the Royals there. Uh, so, yeah, Matt Davidson left the yard three times. Craig in Chicago, shouting out to you because you've been touting uh, Matt Davidson all offseason. So big game for him. The power is unquestioned for Davidson. It's just a matter of is he going to be able to get that strikeout rate down to even you know thirty percent? Um, I think the playing time is going to come. The home runs will come. It's just is the batting average going to be enough? Is he going to even be able to generate enough runs with the power that he hits for to be worth starting? Uh, you know, in a twelve or fourteen team league that that remains to be seen. But a great start. For uh, Matt Davidson. Now, Tim Anderson, who's certainly at this point much more owned than Matt Davidson, he homered twice and he walked in each of the last two seasons. Tim Anderson has walked 13 times the whole season, both seasons. So uh, he's uh, well on his way to shattering that pace. Uh, that, you know, certainly if he walks, that's going to be something that'll enhance uh, Tim Anderson's value. And he did pick up the, the pace in terms of power hitting later in the season. So that's an encouraging start for Anderson. Of course, we also we have to put some of this on the KC pitching staff that just couldn't get done yesterday, and Danny Duffy in particular, uh, a really, really rough start. But uh, a nice start for those two guys, Matt Davidson and Tim Anderson. And as far as that other team in Chicago, they beat up on the Marlins. Well, I guess I shouldn't say beat up. They doubled up on the Marlins, 8-4. to four. And Ian Happ got it all started off, not only for the Cubs, but for all of Major League Baseball. The first pitch of the 2018 season, 
Ian Happ hit out of the park. So that was pretty cool for him. Uh, out of Marlins Park as well is John Carlos Stanton, now a Yankee. And he hit twice in his Yankees debut. So that's pretty cool. And Jose Martinez uh, talked about him a little bit on Thursday's show, just by virtue of the fact that he was in the Cardinals starting lineup. And he had a three-hit game, and he homered off Noah Syndergaard. So a really, really nice debut for Jose Martinez, making the case as much as one can make the case in a single game for staying in the Cardinals lineup. I imagine there'll be a lot of mixing and matching going on. Won't necessarily be a true everyday player, but you know, if Martinez can continue to pick up on where he left off last season by making the most of the playing time he does get, hitting for power, hitting for average, uh, even with less than you know everyday playing time, he's going to be pretty valuable this year. Uh, I think probably analogous to, you know, maybe uh, an Aaron Altair type situation. Uh, although I like Martinez's chances to hit for average a little better than Altair's. But in terms of that situation in Philadelphia that I've been talking about, where they're going with a four outfielder rotation. And we even saw that in play a little bit yesterday. Odubel Herrera didn't start the game, but then he came in as a sub for Reese Hoskins late in the game. So, you know, those... Uh, uh, Philadelphia going to, uh, you know, each see probably some pretty similar levels of playing time. And so you might see something similar to the infield or the, the rather the infield in St. Louis where Martinez, uh, you know, maybe he's not going to play in 150 games this year, but play just enough that you're going to, you know, want to have him uh, as an option in even in a 12 team mixed league. Don't want to get ahead of myself. That's just sort of a conjecture on my part. But uh, yeah, I certainly, even in that sort of depth of format, wouldn't mind having Martinez on my bench. It's, it's certainly an option worth looking into. On the downside in that Cardinals-Mets game, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't the greatest performance by uh, Noah Syndergaard. Did give up four runs, but he also got 10 strikeouts. So I think he could be, you know, pretty happy with that. But there's not really any similarly encouraging thing to take away from Carlos Martinez's first start of the year. Uh, just went four and a third innings, gave up five runs, uh, only four of which were earned, but still not great. Did get five strikeouts, but he walked six batters. And that's the concern that I have for Martinez. Uh, he was part of my bold predictions piece that came out a few days ago on fan tracks, uh, where I do worry a bit about the steady chipping away, the steady decrease and Martinez's swing rate on on pitches that are outside the strike zone, and uh, also you know, giving up a lot of hard contact last season. So those two things together worry me about uh, you know him even being able to maintain, much less improve on what he did last year, and and maybe not even be a top thirty starter. Now I understand these bold predictions are really speculative. They're you know they're kind of low percentage moves, but there there's kernel of truth in, in each of them. So I, I'm not taking this one start as any sign of anything for Carlos Martinez. You shouldn't take any start, and I would say maybe, maybe more so than any time else of the season, the first start of the season as any kind of indication or predictor for the future. But uh, what you saw here could be a little microcosm of some of the worrisome signs for Martinez uh, looking ahead. Uh, getting back to hitting performances... Uh, Shohei Otani, not talking about him as a pitcher right now. He'll start on Sunday, but uh, he made his debut as a DH and got a base hit, his first major league hit, and his first at bat. So, congratulations to Shohei Otani, 
So uh, that's uh, pretty much a wrap on the, the major hitting performances from uh, from opening day. But like I said at the outset here, so many really notable pitching performances. Aces pitching like aces. For the most part, uh, Carlos Martinez pretty much being the exception to the rule. And um, whether you know, from Clayton Kershaw to, to Justin Verlander to Luis Severino, Chris Sale, they all pitched really well. So I don't know how much analysis we can really dig into with them, but they certainly deserve uh, deserve some mention. And then you had, you know, other OP Day starters who were something less than aces, uh, pitching like aces. So we'll talk about them as well. But first, got to head to break here. When we get back, we'll look at uh, the standout pitches, uh, pitchers from opening day and much more. So stick around. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is Fancy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. So thank you very much for uh, joining me. And uh, i got to start this thing off uh, with uh, something I, I really should have mentioned on uh, Thursday's show, but with opening day and also a shorter show, uh, frankly, I, uh, I goofed. I goofed. But uh, uh, just to uh, acknowledge the passing of Rusty Staub, who was one of the uh, great uh, and entertaining players from my youth, and uh, just a terrific 23-year career, uh, playing uh, for several years with the Mets, uh, with the Expos, uh, starting out a little bit before my time with uh, the Houston franchise, both as the Colt 45s and, uh, and the Astros. Uh, so magnificent career, uh, career 279 batting average uh, for Saab. So uh, he will certainly, certainly be missed. Uh, also, uh, uh, to move on, uh, before I get back to those uh, pitching performances that uh, I alluded to right before the break, uh, I do want to get to some of the uh, live switch now flowing in from uh, Twitter and elsewhere, and also the uh, the weather forecast. And that let's start with the weather because there's not really too much to say there. Uh, looks like there's very, very little chance of precipitation in any of the venues uh, for the, the remainder of the slate. There's 10 games still to come, including uh, the Nats and the Reds, uh, which actually will start right after the uh, end of this show at 410 Eastern. Uh, so, you know, no no weather-related uh, situations that you need to monitor. Now, in terms of the lineups, 
Uh, man, people were freaking out. <laughs> people were freaking out on social media because Trey Turner in that Nationals lineup, he's batting sixth behind Howie Kendrick. And um, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I like. I do understand the dismay, the the reaction to it. But I also saw uh, a piece, and unfortunately, I I'm, uh, don't remember exactly the source. I could probably track it down real quick. But but basically, I saw a quote from Davey Martinez that's like, "Well, let's let's see see how this goes." And, and he said something about liking the idea of having Trey Turner and Mike, uh, Michael Taylor back to back in that part of the lineup, and and uh, liking that combination maybe to produce some runs. But it, it's it sounds more like an experiment than anything else. So. Way too early to panic as far as Trey Turner is concerned, even though, yeah, I know he, if you took him, you, you were taking him in the first round. I, I get that. And I still think, all right, maybe, you know, batting sixth, maybe he's not going to run as much, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I can't, I just can't get that upset about it just yet. Billy Hamilton is batting ninth for the Reds. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about him running less. He just might come to the plate a little bit less. And Jesse Winker is in that Reds lineup. Uh, again, part of that Cincinnati outfield rotation that's much like the one in Philadelphia I discussed earlier in the uh, in the program. So uh, you got Hamilton in center and Scott Shebler in right. So no Adam Duvall uh, this afternoon for the Reds against the Nationals and uh, Max Scherzer. And speaking of the Phillies, their lineup is now out. They're going to face Mike Fultonevich and the Braves tonight in Atlanta. And uh, so Odubel Herrera was the odd man out on opening day. Uh, tonight, Friday night, it's going to be Nick Williams. No Nick Williams in the lineup, so Odubel Herrera's back in the starting lineup, playing center, batting third. Hoskins batting fourth, playing left. Altair fifth. So you got uh, Herrera, Hoskins, Altair. Boom, boom, boom. In the middle of the Phillies uh, lineup, no Nick Williams. And also no Jorge Alfaro, uh, Andrew Knapp catching Nick Pavetta against uh, the Braves. Uh, let's see, Jonathan V. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the. Actually, I think I'm looking at the wrong thing. But as long as I'm saying the name Jonathan VR, let's see. Brewers have a late game, so they're not in there. I'm not sure why. <laughs> His name is written down in my notes here. Uh, I mentioned before Billy McKinney and the Yankees lineup uh, replacing Aaron Hicks. Albert uh, Albert Almora, no surprise to see him atop the Cubs lineup. So I talked about Ian Happ. Not only leading off for the Cubs, but hitting the first pitch of the season for a home run. Uh, but it's going to be Albert Almora against uh, Caleb Smith, who's a lefty. So Almora, by the way, hits really, really well against lefties. So if you got a chance to play him in the lineup tonight, that's uh, that's not a bad move. And finally, on the Marlins side of that, uh, facing the righty Kyle Hendricks, Garrett Cooper's playing right field again. So we've got no Cameron Maben in the lineup. We got Garrett Cooper uh, batting sixth and, and playing right field. So back-to-back starts for Cooper. That's that's pretty interesting. Uh, has a, a history of a pretty good uh, good contact rates, good strikeout rates. Had what appears to be a power breakout last year in AAA, but you do need to bear in mind that that season was played at Colorado Springs. So if you're looking for Cooper to be a, a big power source uh, in the lineup there for the Marlins, I think we got a Got to wait and see on that because Marlins Park is certainly a very different type of environment than uh, AAA Colorado Springs, to be uh, to be sure. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get to those pitchers 
Uh, so again, like I said, most of these are not any big surprise, but I still think uh, you know they're worth their due. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, you can't really complain about his performance against the Giants. Went six innings with just one run on eight hits and two walks, but seven strikeouts. But you know, if it was a slightly flawed performance, it was that was all it took to get outdueled by Ty Block and the the Giants bullpen because they shut out the Dodgers. Uh, Block, by the way, has a history, granted fairly limited, but a history of doing really, really well against the Dodgers. Uh, and he did it again, went five scoreless innings, gave up three singles, no other hits, did walk three batters, no. to only struck out three. That's what, a, a successful tie block. That's kind of the blueprint right there. Soft contact and uh, a lot of contact. <laughs> Not a lot of strikeouts for uh, for tie block there. Uh, Jacob Rizzi, very, very nice Twins debut at Baltimore. So a tough venue with a, a, a potentially dangerous lineup. He went six scoreless, only allowing two hits, two walks, and seven Ks. But uh, just about matched by Dylan, or you know, I'd say actually more than matched by Dylan Bundy, who went seven scoreless on five hits and a single walk and seven strikeouts. So uh, a real pitcher's duel there, and that you know went to the bullpens where uh, Brad Brock blew the save. And then uh, Fernando Rodney, uh, you know, came in in extras uh, for the Twins and and took the loss uh, on an Adam Jones uh, walk off. So very impressive game for the two starters there, Odorizzi and, and Bundy. Not a very impressive game for the two closers. And on that note, uh, with uh, Brad Brock getting the save chance and blowing it for the Orioles. I uh, saw a report within the last few days uh, from uh, Eduardo Encina of the Baltimore Sun that Brock is not necessarily the, the lone closer there. So if you're worried about Brock, not only because he blew his first save chance, not only because he didn't have a, a really great second half for the Orioles last season, but he's not even really going into this with a whole lot of job security. And I'm not even talking about you know Zach Britton coming back possibly in early June. But that Darren O'Day may just from the get-go uh, have some some save opportunities, regardless of how well or not well uh, Brad Brock pitches. So uh, I know I'm going to be putting in a claim or two for O'Day uh, over the weekend. You might want to take a look at him while you're looking at uh, you know Hunter Strickland and and some other options. And uh, moving on to some other. Well, actually, I'm sorry. One more note I want to make about that that Twins Orioles game because it's just interesting note. Uh, Zach Duke was you know part of the the unraveling there for the the Twins, uh, not uh, holding uh, the the shutout for Jake Odorizzi. Gave up a two run triple to Caleb Joseph, but the one inning that he pitched, he struck out four batters. So he had three standard strikeouts and uh, one with a wild pitch that sent the the runner to first base. So. That's always uh, interesting <laughs> when you got the, the four strikeouts in an inning. Justin Verlander, uh, he certainly held up his end of the bargain and helped the Astros win against uh, uh, the rivals of Rangers. Went six scoreless on four hits, two walks, and five strikeouts. Not really the greatest uh, outing for Cole Hamels, but there is one number in his stat line that certainly uh made me raise my eyebrows a bit. He went five and two-thirds and struck out seven batters. And Hamels said that he was going to try to be more of a strikeout pitcher this year. He also did walk four batters 
So walks have become an increasing issue for him. Uh, gave up three runs on five hits in those four walks. So overall, not a great start for Cole Hamels. But if you want to look on the positive, he was an out away from a quality start, and he did get seven strikeouts. Luis Severino, very impressive debut for him, five and two-thirds, uh, scoreless on a hit and three walks with seven strikeouts. So Severino and Cole Hamels, identical lines in terms of innings, pit, innings pitched and strikeouts. and. Um, that was against the Blue Jays. And Chris Sale, nice start at Tampa Bay. Six scoreless innings with nine Ks. Only one hit allowed, three walks. But uh, bullpen trouble there for the Red Sox. We're not able to hold that lead uh, against the Rays. The Rays ultimately winning that one. And uh, Alex Colomay getting his first save of the season. Chase Anderson wasn't sure he was going to be able to stick around uh, in his game, because in the second inning, he uh, was on the base paths and slid to home plate and hit his face on home plate. But he did stay in the game, and good thing for the Brewers that he did, because he went six innings, didn't give up a single run, only one hit, uh, three walks, six strikeouts against the Padres. So recovered from that uh, mishap and had a very nice start. But Clayton Richard, also a, a very nice start. Uh, and again, in a typical Clayton Richard mold, only four strikeouts in seven innings, but only gave up one run on six hits and a walk with uh, lots of ground balls. So that's the the Clayton Richard uh, recipe for a good start. And, uh, you know, pretty impressive against a, a good Brewers lineup. Felix Hernandez dueled uh, Corey Kluber. And uh, held up his uh, held his own in that one. Went five and a third. Did not give up a run on two hits, two walks, and four Ks for Hernandez. So a very encouraging start for him. And on the other side of that, just some guy named Corey Kluber who went eight innings, did give up two runs uh, on six hits and a walk though with eight strikeouts. So that's pretty Kluber-esque performance from Corey Kluber. And the only runs he gave up, by the way, were on a Nelson Cruz two-run homer. So. You can't really look at that performance and find any reason to be even the slightest bit worried about Corey Kluber. Uh, Patrick Corbin against the Rockies in the humidor uh, did give up two runs on five and two thirds in five and two thirds innings on seven hits, but only one rock and eight strikeouts. So overall, very nice season debut for Patrick Corbin on opening day. And I mentioned earlier, just to round this out on a down note, uh, Danny Duffy in that that horrible uh, game against the White Sox, really, uh, um, you know, just a slugfest on both sides there. Uh, James Shields, by the way, I mean, not a not a bad start, but didn't strike out a single batter over six innings. Uh, definitely outdueled Danny Duffy. He only lasted four innings, gave up five runs on seven hits with two walks, five strikeouts, and, and of those seven hits, three were home runs. And there is certainly some reason to be concerned here about Danny Duffy. And again, not just because of one start. And I can't emphasize enough that it, it doesn't really make sense to get worked up over uh, one start, much less the first start of the season for a pitcher. But Duffy, there was some question a few days ago about whether or not Duffy was even going to make this opening day start. He uh, was dealing with a tight shoulder uh, towards the end of spring training. And in the start that Duffy made, he was averaging 92 miles an hour on his fastball, which is compared to his first start a year ago, uh, was about a mile and a half lower than uh, 
than the same time last year. And not just that opening day start, but really through throughout the, about the month of April, Duffy was pretty consistently in that 93-94 range, averaging 92 on opening day. So I'm definitely more than a bit concerned right now about Danny Duffy. When you look at the velocity, you look at the very recent health concern for him and the results. When you look at those things together, doesn't look so hot for him. Okay, well, let me just uh, take a moment here and see if any other lineups have come in. It does not appear that they have. So I think we can just launch right into uh, taking a look ahead to, uh, to next week. Um, there are seven teams that are going to have, I'm sorry, six teams that are going to have a seven-game schedule and seven teams that have a five-game schedule. So quite a bit of variation there. Uh, and then you've also got some lefty-righty issues that I think are going to favor certain uh, teams' hitters and, and certain hitters in particular. So I'm going to uh, take a look at that. And then also uh, two-star pitchers. Quite a few uh, on waivers in a lot of leagues that uh, you could pick up, and they've got uh, some some uh, potentially good uh, matchups, uh, two, a set of two matchups. So get to those. Uh, before I do, though, let me just remind you, about DailyRoto.com, that you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer with DailyRoto's MLB Projections and Optimizer. Go to DailyRoto.com slash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that Millionaire Maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. This is the same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 draft, $150, DraftKings live final finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium. Save 10% by using the promo code FNTSY and see the results for yourself. All right. So uh, the teams that are going to play seven games next week are the Rockies, Brewers, Padres, Orioles, A's, and Rangers. So uh, that might be a nice tiebreaker for uh, you know players on those squads. Uh, DJ LeMahieu, maybe Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, you know, for the Brewers, uh, you know, maybe that's uh, your cue, maybe to give Jonathan VR a try. Um, uh, in terms of the Padres, maybe Jose Perella. Um, you know, that the, so it could be, I imagine he's going to play pretty regularly. So to get seven games on his schedule, in fact, Perel is probably somebody you could pick up in a lot of leagues and, uh, toss them in your lineup. So, uh, that's, you know, somebody to look at, you know, the Orioles, uh, by the way, I should mention the matchups. Rockies are going to face the Padres and the Braves. So pretty good uh, pitching matchups there. Brewers are going to face uh, the Cardinals and the Cubs. So tougher pitching matchups there. Padres get the Rockies and the Astros. That's not going to be a whole lot of fun. Anyways, I'll get into these in more depth because there's my cue. I've got to take a break right now for a couple minutes. So stick around. Going to give you the week two preview right after this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I was just uh, during the break here checking in on the Tigers and the Pirates, and the Tigers have gone ahead in this one. 6-4. And uh, just trying to see exactly what's going on. Well, I know the focus here is going to be on week two. Just thought I'd try to catch up on this. But you know what? Maybe you're watching it. I'm busy talking to you guys. But one thing I did notice here in the, the box score, well, two things. One, that Jordan Zimmerman finished up with eight strikeouts in six innings against a Pirates team that I don't think is really going to strike out a whole lot uh, compared to other teams. So that's pretty interesting. And looking at the Pirates part of the box score, I just, you know, on a glance saw Feliz, no winnings, four runs on three hits and a walk. And I, I thought, I thought Neftali Feliz wasn't with them. <laughs> but it's Michael Feliz, uh, who I think was part of the, the Garrett Cole deal. Uh, pitching in relief there, and unfortunately losing the lead for Ivan Nova, who uh, gave up two runs despite loading up the bases in two different innings. But uh, going to leave uh, week one and, and Friday's games behind and look ahead to week two. So I'd started to run down the uh, teams with the seven-game schedules for next week. There are six of them. Again, just to run that down for you, the Rockies, the Brewers, and the Padres in the NL, and the Orioles, A's, and Rangers in the AL. Um, as far as the – I, I t- uh, talked through the uh, NL matchups. On the AL side, uh, you got the Orioles. They've got – that's a real mixed blessing. They've got seven games. But they've got three at Houston and four at the Yankees. So tough pitchers. And again, you're looking at the at those rotations. It doesn't matter where the, the Orioles are going to catch those rotations. Those are going to be tough, tough series. Uh, on the other hand, they do get the extra game and they get two pretty nice venues, especially Yankee Stadium. So despite the, the degree of difficulty in terms of pitching matchups, I would definitely want to be sure to get Trey Mancini in my lineup next week. Uh, I'm not sure there's anybody else there that's really borderline for me, but I would uh, would certainly want to get Mancini uh, into my lineup. Uh, the A's, uh, they've got a, uh, actually cons- considerably better schedule. So they, too, have four games. Uh, four at home against the Rangers, and then three on the road against the Angels. So seven games of pitcher-friendly parks, uh, but uh, also, so it's sort of the inverse, <laughs> where the Orioles are going to be going to these really great environments for power hitting, but they're going to face really tough starters, whereas uh, the A's are going to face two teams, and no matter where you catch their rotations, whether it's the Rangers or the Angels, uh, for the most part, they're not going to be uh, too intimidating. And by the way, the one pitcher that I left out of my rundown was uh, Garrett Richards, who didn't have the best of starts uh, on opening day. So uh, I'm not sure uh, at this point whether or not uh, the A's are going to get 
Garrett Richards. And that in part is that I'm not, you know, entirely sure how this is going to you know, play out in the early season with, you know, the, the plans for a, a six man rotation, but uh, Richards uh, only made it. Well, he made it five innings on Thursday, uh, gave up four runs with just uh, uh, well, he got four strikeouts and three walks. So not a really good outing on opening day for uh, Garrett Richards against Oakland. So um, for whatever that's worth. So yeah, the A's, they, they get some pretty good pitching matchups, you know, tough, tough environments, but you know, for the, you know, the most part last year that the A's hitters were not really phased by hitting at home at Oakland Coliseum, even though it's a spacious venue. So uh, given the matchups and given the seven game schedule, I think Marcus Simeon, if he is out there on waivers, He's somebody that, uh, unless you've got a stud shortstop, you should really think about uh, adding Marcus Simeon. And uh, in, in terms of uh, other players that you might pick up, I mean, maybe Matt Joyce. But uh, Simeon, for me, would be uh, the, the, the big target. Maybe Jed Lowry as well, although I wouldn't count on Lowry uh, as much as Simeon to provide home run power. But I think it should be a good week for, for Simeon and for, uh, and for Lowry against the uh, Rangers and the Angels. And then the Rangers themselves have a seven-game week, so they get the A's. And again, not the most, uh, not the deepest or best of rotations. So that works in their favor. And then three games uh, against the Blue Jays at uh, at home. So at Oakland for four, and then back in Arlington for three against the Blue Jays. Um so that's a, a nice tiebreaker. Uh, maybe Robinson Torino's a catcher. Uh, that that's uh, an option that you could uh, take advantage of in a deeper league. Uh, maybe you could give Ryan Rue a try, especially to see how he does over the weekend. Uh, so uh, there's a couple of names to think about for the Texas Rangers. And then the Blue Jays, as just mentioned, they're, they're going to face uh, Texas for three games at the end of the week. Uh, Blue Jays are going to start with three games against the White Sox. So just a six-game week for Toronto. But the reason why I'm mentioning them is because, first of all, you got you know the White Sox rotation. And you know, granted, I mean, you might have some tough starts there. Uh, you got Giolito and Lopez. Um, I think they're going to miss uh, one of them. But uh, you got the, the Blue Jays and the White Sox, and then you got the Rangers. And again, the Rangers just, uh, you know, maybe Mike Minor will be formidable, maybe... Uh, Hamels, again, a lot of strikeouts in his first start. Maybe he has something of a bounce back, back season. But generally, I would look forward to playing hitters against either of these rotations. So that's just for starters. And then the the Rangers are going to throw out three lefties uh, by the time they, they face uh, the Blue Jays. There's going to be uh, three lefties in the, uh, the Blue Jays rotation uh, at that point. So you're looking at Matt Moore, Mike Miner, and I think Cole Hamels. And I'm just going to double check this, but I think Hamels, uh, yeah, Hamels should line up for uh, a two-start week. I mean, unless they they give Bartolo Colon another start, which I I don't think they would in this situation. So there's a very good chance that the Blue Jays are going to face Matt Moore, Mike Miner, and Cole Hamels at the end of the week. So two hitters that you need to really think about picking up are Kevin Pillar and Devin Travis, who hit lefties very well. Pillar had a really good season last year against lefties. Travis, uh, over his career, has nice numbers against lefties. So Kevin Pillar, Devin Travis, a couple of hitters to think about there. All right, so 
in the National League, your teams that are are going to only have five games are the Marlins, Dodgers, and Giants. Marlins have two at home against the Red Sox, three on the road in Philadelphia. Uh, Dodgers have three at Arizona, three at San Francisco. So assuming the humidor is going to do what humidors do, those are going to be two difficult environments for Dodger hitters. And I apologize. My math is bad. That's six games. That's not five. <laughs> I just include them in my, in my list because of the park factor. So let me let me modify what I'm saying. The the Marlins and Giants each have five games. The Dodgers have six games, but they have tough park factors to deal with. So the Giants have uh, two at Seattle, three at home versus the Dodgers, and then you know you've also got you know Dodgers rotation is tough. So that's a week, a week to shy away from Marlins and Giants hitters and. If there's somebody you can sub in in your Dodgers lineup, maybe for Chris Taylor, perhaps. Um, that's you know, or you know, maybe uh, Grandal. Uh, that this would be your opportunity to do that. Uh, over in the AL, and let me make sure I've got my math right this time. I do four teams that have five game schedules. Uh, you got the Red Sox, the Twins, the Mariners, and the Rays. Red Sox have two at Marlins Park, three at home versus the Rays. So, um, you know, not not a bad week, uh, probably in terms of uh, quality of a starting pitcher there. You got the Twins with two at Pittsburgh, three at home versus the Mariners. Then the Mariners, uh, in addition to the three against the Twins, two at San Francisco. And the Rays, uh, three... At the, Yan- at, at the Yankees, and uh, two at Boston. And as far as that series goes, uh, looks like the Rays could face three lefties next week. So definitely sit Kevin Kiermeyer. If the five-game schedule doesn't make it uh, profitable for you to find an upgrade over Kevin Kiermeyer, then the fact that he might only actually face two right-handed starters, I mean, he's an absolute must-sit in almost any sort of mixed league. So definitely said Kevin Kiermeyer uh, in terms of the Red Sox, Twins, and Mariners. Uh, uh, probably a good week to sit Jackie Bradley or Hanley Ramirez. Uh, as far as the Twins go, I think Max Kepler, if you're in a depth of league where you're starting him, probably should look for uh, another option there. Eduardo Escobar. I mean, I know I'm going a little bit deeper league here with those options. Joe, Joe Maurer, as long as I'm talking about deeper mixed leagues, might as well toss his name in that mix, um, those are players you should consider sitting. Maybe in a uh, even a fairly shallower league, maybe see what your alternatives are for maybe uh, sitting Eddie Rosario with that short schedule. And the Mariners, uh, you know, certainly uh, Hanniger, who uh, had a uh, a three hit game in his debut, I think you could definitely find an upgrade for him uh, with a five game schedule. So. There you go. So those are the uh, the matchups, both in terms of number of games and lefty-righty uh, considerations, park factor considerations, teams that you need to uh, look at at your borderline players and, and figure out whether to start or set. Now, as far as the two-start pitcher landscape goes, uh, I think one of the more interesting choices or dilemmas that you have is Sean Newcomb, who really got a lot of buzz this spring. I think his stock has really gone up. But he's got the Nationals at home to start the week, and then he goes to Coors Field to finish it. 
Now, I'm more down on Newcomb than probably most people are. I really don't like the walk rates for him. I know the strikeouts are tempting, but even good strikeout pitchers have their limits in terms of how much they can help you uh, if they're clogging up the bases. And those matchups really, really worry me for Sean Newcomb. So I, I frankly would shy away from him. And there are some good other alternatives here. Tyler Chatwood's got the Reds in Cincinnati, the Brewers in Milwaukee. Not the best uh, venues, but again, Chatwood spent last year pitching in Coors Field and, um, you know, escaped all right. So I, I actually, I would, give, given the choice between Newcomb and Chatwood, I would definitely pick up Chatwood if both were available. You might also want to look at Hunjin Ryu. He's certainly got the, the venues in his favor. He's got the Diamondbacks at Chase Field and the Giants at AT&T Park. So there's an option to look at. If you're uh, wanting to live a little dangerously, Matt Harvey's got two starts. He's got the Phillies at home, and then he goes to uh, see the Nationals. I am still in wait-and-see mode with Matt Harvey, so he would not be my first choice. But, you know, as far as uh, two start options go, at least that's, you know, that's one set that you can consider. I think I might actually go, though, with uh, somebody that uh, he could face in uh in that series with the Phillies, and that's Ben Lively. Uh, now, Lively doesn't have the sort of um, strikeout upside that Harvey has. But, uh, you know, I, I think the matchups are pretty good. I mean, the, the Mets at New York, and I'm not saying the Mets are an easy matchup at all. I mean, I actually think that's a pretty solid lineup all the way through. But uh, it's also, it's not one that terrifies me. And then when you follow that up with a start against the Marlins, who I think are a pretty good matchup, I think Ben Lively could have a pretty good two-start week. He strikes me as a way, way safer option than Matt Harvey. Or frankly, Sean Newcomb, for that matter. And I mean, and it's total opposites. <laughs> Sean Newcomb's going to give you the strikeouts, but he's also got the control issues. Lively, pretty p- pristine control, but you, you're not going to count a lot of strikeouts. But Ben Lively is just the sort of pitcher that I do like to target in two-start weeks because between the two starts, uh, he, he's not really going to hurt you in strikeouts. But you know, you're know you going to get a lot of innings, perhaps, with, with pretty good results otherwise. Not a lot of walks, probably not a lot of runs. So I actually like that. Now, I'd rather have Chatwood or Ryu than, than Lively, but he's he is certainly somebody to consider. Uh, Jamison Tyone has a couple of starts next week. Uh, he's got the Twins and the Reds at home. So he's got PNC Park going for him. And uh, again, a little bit risky. See how uh, Tyone you know, performs out of the gate this year, but he is definitely somebody I would consider. And uh, the next one on my list is a Nando DeFino special, <laughs> Matt Boyd. And I should just uh, you know, pin this on Nando. I, I kind of like Boyd, too. And I, and I kind of like these matchups. He's got the Royals at home. I really like that one a lot. And just sort of like with Ben Lively, where the one star against the Marlins, that just might make the week for him. I think that uh, Matt Boyd at home against the Royals could just be a really nice start. And then the second starts against the White Sox. And again, both of these teams exploded for 21 runs combined on Thursday. But uh, the White Sox lineup, it, it, I don't think it's bad, but it doesn't really scare me either. Uh, the thing I worry about with Boyd, he does have a history of some pretty strong fly ball tendencies. So I don't really like him at guaranteed rate field that much. But again, 
You look at a lineup that's uh, you know not necessarily the most robust uh, top to bottom, and then you start the week with a with the Royals. Um, Matt Boyd's definitely in the running there for two star pitchers that I will look at uh, to uh, make a fab bid on or, or, or pick up off of waivers. Last one here, and this is put a little asterisk next to Jake Junis's name because the Royals have not announced their uh, rotation for the beginning of next week, but it seems extremely likely to me that uh, on Monday's game against the Tigers in Detroit that they'd uh, go with Junis because it's either going to be him or Eric Skoglund. But I think, you know, given that Skoglund, he's the the replacement for uh, Nathan Carnes. And I'm not even sure that that's definite yet, but uh, assuming it's him, I would think he would go after Junis and Granted, the, the Royals do have Thursday off next week, but I think they're only going to have one two-star pitcher. So I'm guessing it's Junis. I would watch closely this week to see uh, what the Royals announce in terms of their rotation plans. But I would still I'd go out and get Junis if he's available, speculate on him. Uh, you know, if it turns out that it's it's Scoglin starting on Monday, then you know, then you can decide what to do with Junis. But he's got the Tigers uh, in Detroit. And certainly like the Tigers as a matchup, even though uh, they're doing pretty well against the the Pirates earlier today. Then he's got the Indians in Cleveland. That's pretty tough. Uh, but Judas is an interesting pitcher to me because he's a control pitcher extraordinaire. I just wonder if he's sort of the next coming of Jeff Samarja and if, if he's the sort of pitcher who's just going to catch too much of the play too often and maybe get hit hard. But he's certainly not going to uh, give up very many walks. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's got a Tigers matchup, it looks like on Monday, uh, he is definitely somebody to look at. So just in time, I got through my list of uh, two-start recommendations. Time to head for the weekend, folks. So enjoy the first weekend of baseball. Have a, a great, great day. And I will see you back here on Monday. Take care.